We're using Luke's account this year uh, in this Passion Week. And uh, as those of you who know me, you, I like Luke because he was a physician. And so I imagine, as he says at the very start of both Luke and Acts, he says, I'm writing to you, my dear Theophilus, an orderly account. I too sought to look at these things, says Luke. And so I imagine him putting together his material in the way that Luke does. It's very interesting to try and see how the different gospel writers telling the same gospel, but they tell it in their own way for their own particular group of people. So I imagine Luke um, putting his accounts together with a physician's eye. It's only Luke who records at the start of his gospel the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit. It's only Luke who records Gabriel seeing Zechariah saying that your wife Elizabeth will have a child even though she's past childbearing age. It's only Luke who records Gabriel meeting Mary and then, of course, Mary meeting Elizabeth and when she greets Elizabeth... Uh, John the Baptist, six months old, in Elizabeth's womb, stirs. It's only Luke who records that dynamic at the start of the Gospel story, the work of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, uh, later on, Luke will travel with Paul. He joins Paul on his missionary journeys in Acts 16.10. If you look at that verse, it's clear that Luke has joined the party. But he will have seen the miraculous work. And so Luke, the physician, records these encounters and the moving of the Holy Spirit. He also records particular human details, which I love. It's Luke, for example, who records Peter's moment of desolation. In this timeline at the first Easter, only three days previously, on the Thursday night... It's only Luke who records that when Peter denies his friend and saviour, Jesus Christ, for the third time, Luke records these words, and the Lord turned and looked directly at Peter. I've often imagined that moment. Can you imagine that? That look to his closest friend from Jesus at his moment of most loneliness. This was the moment where everybody left. That moment, Jesus looks at Peter and says, I told you you would. It's Luke who records that. So, I think as we reflect again on this story, we have, if you like, a timeline, a sense of drama. It's quite useful to use our imagination to travel with on that timeline. I can't go into next week yet, although I will for a moment, because my my favorite story in Luke is the bit just following today's reading, which we may hear next week, which is the road to Emmaus. Again, the timeline. Luke records two people who had to leave Jerusalem to walk home while it was still daylight. Therefore, before the truth of the empty tomb came out fully, they'd heard about it. And where Jesus walks with them along the road to Emmaus and reveals himself to them by his explanation of the word and then the breaking of bread. So I'd like to go there now back with Luke to that Easter day and just imagine we've got this factual account, the routine ritual perhaps, the women folk taking the spices and they go and they find the tomb empty 
There's a little book by J.N.D. Anderson, famous book. Uh, David Watson referred to it because David Watson knew his son. That Sir Norman Anderson was former professor of Oriental Laws and director of the Institute of Advanced Legal Studies at London. But he writes this little booklet talking, it's called The Evidence for the Resurrection, a compelling legal account in today's language of the factual evidence for the tomb being empty. So they see that empty tomb. And then we have this recording of two men in white. As I was imagining those two men, angels, I realized that they were probably the same angels as, as had been part of that group who came down and saw the shepherds. At Easter time, at Christmas time, we know the joy of Jesus being born, and we imagine the joy in heaven. Jesus is born safely, the Son of God born safely, and the angels sort of toppling out of heaven to startle the shepherds with the good news. So the joy then was that he had been born safely. The joy now, and these two angels tell that to the women. He has completed the task set out. He has overcome death. And it's useful for us to pause and reflect on this familiar story, but to reflect for a moment that this is the one world-changing event in the history of the world from beginning to end. This is the one day where the, the way to God is opened up. So it is a remarkable moment. And I love then Luke thinking of the women saying, then they remembered. And Luke records this. Can't you see that? I just love this picture. Imagine them, their sense of wonder. Hang on, do you remember? I wonder if, could it be? Is it possible? Luke, the physician, records their names. Mary Madeline, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and some others. But then we have further detail. Can you imagine in that society, the women go home and the men don't believe them? Of course. They're talking nonsense, come on. Imagine these gruff men. And just imagine the look on the women's faces. And they're hurt, being ridiculed on something that they have realized is true. Then we go back to Peter. I often think of Peter because the weight on his soul of sadness would have had a uniquely personal weight, would it not, because of that look on Monday Thursday. And so it's interesting that Peter thinks, hang on, I wonder. You can imagine a speeding up of his pulse when he leaves the others being gruff. And he says, I better go and see. I wonder, I better go and see this. Maybe a glimmering of hope, maybe the weight of sadness lifting. So you see, it's a great story, isn't it? And for us, now, 2,000 years later, we have this orderly account. We can reflect on Luke, on his character. And we can see how he organized things for his friend Theophilus. We recognize, I love the fact that this gospel is also written by the same author who wrote Acts. Acts is a fantastic book of the explosion 
of the New Testament. 2,000 years of witnesses, Jesus, the anchor of our soul. And Luke's account at the start of the of Acts of the Holy Spirit coming, as Jesus promised. When I'm talking to cynics, and I do often about faith, I start with Pentecost. Because it is a historical fact that something happened at Pentecost where 11 people, well there were 12, weren't there, because they elected one more to their number, went out and told the story of Jesus Christ with such power that we're here 2,000 years later. Isn't that remarkable? It is, isn't it? Remarkable. And when I'm talking to cynics, I hope that at that point they say, oh really? So what were they talking about? And then we're off with the gospel story. I'd like today to conclude, really, for us, by looking at the two human characters. And in fact, I will just dwell, if you'll let me, going to John's Gospel. Because interestingly, it is John who records Peter's reinstatement. We won't read it now, but do read it. It's a great story where the, the, the disciples have gone back to fish. They catch nothing. Jesus was on the shore of Lake Galilee, a place called Tapgar. But they don't recognize it's him. They have a miraculous catch of fish. They come ashore. So there's a fire with some fish cooking. And I imagine the eye contact at that breakfast. Each time the Lord caught Peter's eye, he'd look away. Peter now knowing that Jesus is alive and knowing that a conversation had to happen at some point. I once painted this scene. I'm not a very good painter, but I use my imagination and I believe guided by prayer. And I imagine that Peter, Jesus would have said to Peter at the end of breakfast, Peter, come on. And I imagine they walked down the shore just out of sight, out of earshot of the other disciples for that moment where Jesus looks at Peter three times and says, do you love me? It is the most beautiful reinstatement. Beautiful, beautiful reinstatement. I imagine Peter's feeling then. But then the final person I'd like to reflect again comes actually in John's Gospel account of Easter. And it is a fantastic fact of this saving plan for humankind. Jesus is alive. Jesus bursts forth from the tomb, as one of the prayers says. Jesus overcomes death. Jesus opens the way back to heaven, back to God for us all. This fantastic hope that we have And the remarkable thing that John records is the very first person that Jesus meets, he calls by her Christian name. Jesus has saved the world, and he says, Mary. And if you like, for me, that shows that Jesus, the creator God, also knows us Individually, Jesus is saying to each of us now, Nigel, Tony, Pippa, whoever, we can look again. I preached a sermon here on the midnight and also in February, the text is on the website, where I just encouraged us to begin to look at faith in a new way, not with our head, which is facts, or our heart, which is emotions, but with our soul, use our soul eyes. Because with our soul eyes and this imagination, we can know Jesus deeply. 
in my own walk at the moment, I've learned a lesson recently. Rather than praying, Jesus, walk with me as I go about my day. I am saying now, Jesus, teach me to walk with you. Not too far behind or too far in front. Open my eyes to see you more deeply.